You're listening to She's Got Drive podcast, the podcast that inspires women to be the driver in their own life through the life and stories of black women with drive. And I'm your host, Shirley McAlpine. I'm a business consultant, an executive coach, and a leadership facilitator working with people and organizations to live their lives by design and not default. Welcome back to another episode of She's Got Drive. And in the last week, I turned 50. Yeah, it was my 50th birthday last week. And I had a fabulous birthday. And one of the things about turning 50, apart from just being fabulous, of course, is it has you reflect on what you've learned in the 50 years. And so one of the things I started to do was post on my Instagram lessons from 50 years on the planet. And one of the lessons that I've learned is I'm going to share with you is that that's linked to this podcast is that I believe really firmly that life is a design and life is created, that I have created my life, that I started my life in East London. My mum was a seamstress, my dad a carpenter. They worked hard. They, they came from the Caribbean in the 60s, early 60s, um, to live in the UK, to create a life and to, they had all their children there. And it's not predicted that I ended up where I am today. I am grateful to them and what they've provided me. And I'm grateful for knowing that I can create my life. And so I've invented and created my life, designed my life, and then taken actions and manifested it. So I know it's possible I do that with my clients. I stand in that possibility with my clients. I see it happen all the time where they invent and create their life. And so it's one of the biggest life lessons we do not have to live our lives by default. We can live our lives by design. And that's one of the reasons why I started this podcast. So I am getting some lovely, lovely messages. There were some lovely messages from people, some of my listeners on Instagram um, when I posted about my birthday. And just lovely things about what you're getting from the podcast. It is so inspiring. It warms my heart. It really does. Um, The difference that it's making to you as you listen to these stories. And I want to grow. She's got drive. I want to expand the audience who can get access to this. And one of the ways that I do that is, of course, if you share the podcast with people that you know. Um, And the other thing is if you go onto iTunes and you rate and review the show, is another way. So just go into your iTunes app and uh, and go to rate and review. And then it's really quite straightforward to do. And rate and review the show, it just makes such a difference in growing the show uh, and having my show be seen by more people. So this week we have, I have a fellow Brit on the show this week, a woman who through her story you're here, has taken something that happened to her in her early life and and turned it into something really positive as an adult, um, really. So it's been very inspiring to hear her story and what she did with that. And I'm not going to say what it is because let her share that with you. But let me tell you something about her. Her name's Margaret Greer. And Margaret is the National Race Equality Officer for Unison, which is the largest trade union in Europe, which has over 1.3 million members. Having started her career as a social worker, 
Margaret has been an activist and a community-based organiser for a number of years now. One of her many roles as a national officer is to advise on race equality at all levels, including the National Executive Committee covering the United Kingdom and Northern Ireland. Margaret has a thorough understanding of the barriers faced by black people and, and minorities in the workplace and in the wider community and was the first winner of Unison's Nelson Mandela Award for outstanding work in the fight against racism and inequality. She is passionate and dedicated to supporting others in making their lives better and having work environments that are a place for equality of opportunity to thrive. Margaret likes to remember the quote, it's not what I have been through in my life that defines who I am, it's how I got through it that made me the person I am today. I'm looking forward to you listening to this interview. I really enjoyed speaking to her. It's always really great also when I get to speak to a fellow Brit. Um, so over to Margaret Greer. Margaret, welcome to She's Got Drive. Thank you so much for being willing to be a guest on the show. It's no problem at all, Shirley. I've been looking forward to meeting you and, and speaking with you. So it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Well, I wanted to start um, by you sharing with our guests about your work and and how and how you got into the role and how you got into to working in this particular space that you work in. Well, in lots of ways, I tell you, I, I kind of like the work found me. You know, like I've always been an I've always been someone who's spoken on behalf of people, mm-hmm. even when I was a child. You know, I could see something happening. If someone didn't like it, then I would be the first to jump in and say, look, what are you doing? She said she didn't like it or, you know, don't do that. So it kind of like um, it's something that I was it was always within me. I was always kind of like in leadership positions. So I was chair of the netball team and I was captain of the netball team and I was, you know, part of the football team around the team. But I was always central within that. Like I would either be the captain or, or, or driving something. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in 1988, I... Um, became a nursery worker and um, I met some colleagues who were talking about getting um, some pay increase. Uh, There's around 120 women, mainly female women, who were looking to get a pay rise because we were working directly with the young people and our bosses were getting senior um, money and we were actually doing, you know, at the front line of the work. And so it kind of like found me that Within that time, I then was going around to different places and um, talking about our campaign, talking about our cause and the reason why we're out um, on strike. And um, it almost like became a calling that when I used to go into places, people used to, there was a standing ovation before we even spoke about what we were going to be doing and why we were doing it. Wow. Because people stood about, um, you know, in, in inequality in pay, that there was a significant deficit in what we were getting as nursery workers, frontline workers, and what senior management were getting. And after that time, I just thought, yeah, this is something that I really love doing. Mm. And I then became the chair of um, our Women in Nalgo at the time. So it was a group that would be um, looking at how we can get more women involved in um, not just the trade union movement, but in work. Um, how we like, supported women who had children or 
you know, young people who were trying to get into education. And so that was something that I felt passionately about because as a woman, um, it wasn't always easy to kind of find your place because people mm. had a particular position for you, but you actually didn't want to fit into that position. So when I was a young girl, football wasn't the thing to be looking at, but I played football because football is what I loved. Right. You know, the family and my brother was like, oh, you shouldn't be doing that. But it, no one can choose what your path might be. Right. So I got involved in, in the women's campaign, women's group, um, looking at how we advocated and brought more young people into um, the workplace. Uh, and then I also got involved in uh, black members and some of the injustices and inequalities that were going on around that and became chair of our Unison Black Members Group. Mm -hmm. And so for all that time, I was also advocating in terms of regional stuff, getting involved at a national level, um, not just on black members and women, but on equality in, in, in general. So right. around disabilities, LGBT issues, so that's lesbian, gay, transgender um, and bisexual uh, members as well. And so it was something that I kind of like naturally got involved in and never really thought about it as, oh, I'm doing something that is really making a difference. I'm doing something that I love and I'm doing something that I want to do. So for me, um, I just I just continued. And I also went off to university at the time and I became a professional social worker. So I've got a um, um, qualification in, in that. Mm -hmm. So I was always advocating for people. So as a, as a social worker, I would deal with child protection. So I was always advocating for young people. Right. Um, children in care and um, obviously in terms of adults as well so I've always been around that kind of caring advocacy facilitating empowering and um, worked my way up through the organization in terms of my um, authority and my union and applied for this job as a national race equality officer uh, working in the United Kingdom and Northern Ireland and that's how I'm doing what I'm doing now, wow. organising national black members conferences for nearly 650 plus um, attendees across the United Kingdom. So yeah, the job that I really feel passionate about and um, would do for nothing, mm. actually. I love that you, the, I mean, you've said a lot there, but one of the things is when you're doing, when you're doing the work that you love and it's like, it, it's, I love that you said it found you. Yeah. You know, you, you 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 start to get involved in an action and then suddenly you find your passion in yeah. that and then and then it, is, it goes on from there. So how long have you been holding this national role? Um, Actually, I, a year tomorrow, <laughs> I've had this particular role a year tomorrow. I started it on the 23rd of January. <laughs> um, but prior to that, obviously, I was a social worker and then I was a branch secretary. But this particular role is a year tomorrow. So I've done a lot in that year. Um, and the combinating in the conference that we had at the weekend was right. what I was built to in terms of getting all organisations together and talking about how we can actually move the movement with regards to inequality, especially in light of what's going on now not just across in America, but across Europe um, and the rise of, you know, um, far right groups and, and yeah. um, well, you know, dangerous elements that are going on. So congratulations yeah. and what your one year anniversary. What does it feel like? You know, um, I'm curious about the leadership. I know that union, the union movement has always been standing for, has, oh, well, always, let's say that 
has had a position standing for equality, standing for justice, but how mm. has that manifested in terms of participation of black women, um, black people, or just generally different ethnic minorities participating in the union movement as managers and leaders? I think to a certain extent, people have a bit of a myth about what the trade union movement is about. There's been a real big presence of black people in the movement, which might not have been called trade union, but it's been a movement and right. it's been like a civil rights movement raising the profile around inequality and discrimination. So even though it's not part of the trade union movement, people have been advocating and have been making changes. The Race Relations Act is 50 years old this year. Yeah. Um, the wind rush of African Caribbean people coming to Great Britain mm -hmm. is 70 years old this year. It's 150 years of the trade union Congress movement um, this year. So there's been movement and history that have involved black people, mm -hmm. Pan-African history, um, you know, Asian history across the trade union movement. Because I think people seem to think, well, the trade union, it's all around like, you know, white middle class men who are kind of advocating for people. But it hasn't been. It's been people like ordinary communities like us mm -hmm. who have been actually advocating and then have been drawn into the movement and then be, have a voice within that so for me black people have always been and i use black in the sense of a political term which mm. includes you know ethnic minorities how people want to um, pronounce it have always been the driving force around civil liberties around human rights but they've just not had the voice and they've just not had the recognition when they people say i am black history it is not just for a month in Britain in October, in America in, 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 in February. It's every day. Wow. And we need to advocate what we have done in contributing to society and the world over. Right. So right. We are part of the movement because we are the movement. So it's really it really matters that you're that you are holding this um, national position. It really matters also to see. Um, because that's how those the story can be told and that's how it can be seen. I said we look across the Atlantic and we see so many black people in particular positions and obviously in terms of what happened with President Obama. But actually UK history is just as important in terms of driving the message for young people and people of my age that actually we have made a contribution to UK politics, to UK um, economy mm -hmm. and all of those things that come about and we just don't see that that often so me being in the national officer position as I am I saw it this weekend I've been in this role a year but the amount of people that are so proud to see one of their own actually doing what needs to be done and not forgetting them and bringing them up with them has been so awe-inspiring that I actually didn't realize how much influence and how much people really had an admiration for what I'm doing because I just do it. And I know that's the mm. like, cliche, it's like, I just do it and get on with it. I've never looked for accolade. I've never looked for, um, you know, people to say, oh, that's really good. I just get on with it. And if people want to say, Margaret, that was great. Then I say, thank you very much. Let's go on to the next task. Right. I'm staying in this theme because, I mean, this is really what She's Got Drives is, is about. How do we have, because there's not enough of um, black women 
holding positions across, uh, you know, in professions and, and been succeeding in certain, in a n- number of different environments. You know, I am always curious about what it is about the women who arrive in those places that many others um, may want to be there, but haven't managed to. What is it about you, do you think, that has had you succeed in holding this space? And no, and no doubt will go on to to do other great things and hold other other leadership okay. positions. So what is it about you? I think it's around knowing self, actually. I think it's about knowing um, that you as an individual can only create the path that you as an individual want to do. Okay. It is about knowing people in places. It's not, you know, people say it's not about what you know, it's about who you know. And that is true. But I think if you're not confident about being able to pursue your dream or your passion, then no one's going to believe in you. And you have to also recognise that there's going to be obstacles. And those obstacles are going to make you question whether you've actually done the right thing. Mm. Um, But if you know that life is for living and that to me, you only get one chance. And if you don't take the opportunities that come, then those opportunities will pass you by. Right. I mean, people are always waiting for a, a moment or a time. The moment is now and you have to seize it. Right. Some people might judge you differently and they might think that you're, I don't know, arrogant or you think that you, uh, you know, well, you know, maybe, I don't know, whatever it might be. I'm just confident. And when you're confident about your ability and you show people that this is about the inclusive of all and it's not about me as an individual, then that's when people come and they're drawn to you. Right. I see talent all around me and I, I tell people that. When I see somebody who I feel has got the potential or they remind me of me, <laughs> mm-hmm. I tell them. I say, you remind me of me when I was your age. Right. And I've got high hopes for you. I can see a drive in you, so keep on going. Because someone said that to me. Right. You know? And when they didn't say that to me, I turned to books, I turned to music, and I, you know, and I turned to what is it that has actually got me where I am? Mm. You're asking me a question and you're making me think about it, even though I, you know, I should know, but because I haven't had to think about it, it just comes kind of naturally. Right. But if an obstacle is put in front of me, I assess that and I think, how best to deal with it? Do I go over it? Do I go around it? Do I actually disseminate it? Who can help me? You've always got to have help. Yeah. You can do it on your own. If you think you can do and create life and get away with things on your own, then you're delusional. You'll always need someone or something to help you through it. Right. Right. That's why I, I, I think about things, really. Wow. So um, what, what, are the, what are some of the obstacles that you've faced that you've either gone around or gone through or disseminated or had to turn to someone? What, well, that? I think it would be um, people not thinking that you're as uh, capable Mm-hmm. as you believe that you are because they've made a judgment before they've even heard your story, heard what you've got to say. Um, 
and that in lots of ways Shirley has been around the, the color of my skin yeah. I mean I have to be honest with myself and I have to be honest about what people see is that the obstacles are put there because people um, have made have created a position or a view about you mm-hmm. and so then you have to then ensure that that view is dispelled by the end of that conversation right right yeah so um, are you able to share an example are you feeling mindful of some of the um, and, and like, what was the thing that you did? Like, what did you say? Because I think we, there are many pe- people who have that experience, who have a, have a knowing, have an inner knowing as they're going through something. You think, this is about, this is about me and my race. Like, they're totally assuming that I'm not good enough or I can't do it. Or, and then how did you handle those? Like, what do you say to someone when they're being that way? Or what do you do? You may not say something, what do you do? Yeah. I think you need, I mean, there are many examples, but I think if I was to say, then it might identify certain okay. people. Right, um, so Yeah. Um, I mean, what I would say is that if someone has said something to me, I don't necessarily challenge it there and then. Because I think when you do, you lose a thread of what you want to get across. Mm. If it's an open forum then of course it, it depends on you know what the situation might be so if, if somebody is derogatory towards me like you know somebody once said oh margaret you know grid you have to be so um, aggressive in your approach and so my then response was why do you have to perceive that i'm being aggressive in my passion and advocating on something mm. i'm particular and i'm passionate yeah doesn't necessarily mean that I'm aggressive. So why would you give that terminology to me? And I ask them to explain themselves because what I'm not having is people leaving that meeting, believing that I'm aggressive because somebody else had decided to put that label on me. Great. You know, if it's an individual and we've had a discussion, then I would then say to myself, okay, I'm gonna think about this. And and that has happened Mm. most recently actually. And then I've gone back And I've said to that individual, I would really like to have a discussion with you about something that was said or something that happened. Mm -hmm. Can we have time? And I will sit down with them and I'll say to them, you may not appreciate this and you may not see it, but I feel that I need to say this to you and to seek an explanation from you as to why you would want to act in a particular way or why you would make a particular assumption about me. And if you do it in a way that empowers people to come back to you mm. and they don't think you're threatening, then they will come back to you in a, in a positive way. Right. But you get them to understand their behavior has an impact on you as an individual. Right. And so I've been able to do that skillfully, not all the time. And it's been something that I've had to learn because I was a kid that used to talk before I thought. <laughs> <laughs> And then I thought and realized, actually, thinking before you say it out loud gets you better results than saying it out loud, yeah, and then thinking afterwards. So that has been a learnt behavior for me, a learnt time. That was so, thank you so much for sharing that um, approach because I can bet there are many listeners who have had that experience where they're showing up and they're being confident and they're being articulate and they're being strong 
and the what the label that's on them is why are you being so aggressive yes. um and as in to to be so clear in the way that you're addressing it and i think it's really also important that you said one of the other things you say is to address it in the room so that your people aren't leaving with the label that someone else has put on you that they may have not even occur to them until that label was put on you you know then suddenly they're like oh that she was she was a bit aggressive you know like suddenly it's a conversation of was she wasn't she absolutely aggressive and rather than hearing the message that you were giving exactly and, and and how you want people to leave they're talking about what somebody else is um defining of you right. has been and i'm not going to allow that to happen right so it's really in that moment you just take your power back you take the and you and you and you you stand in your own truth and you say and you challenge people in a really appropriate and really it's such a great way to challenge and say yeah. you'd help me help, help me like help me understand where this is coming from yeah like, why would you because put this I think that's how, right because i think that's how we learn you know, in society, we can actually um, help each other, understand each other if we talk to each other. Because people will have a perception about me, about you, about others. Mm-hmm. And unless you have a conversation with that person, then your com- perception about them can com- be completely the opposite of what you're thinking. Right. And history has to show that if people didn't bother to sit down in a room and have an exchange of discussion and conversation, then we would still be back in the Stone Age. We would still be back in certain areas where people didn't mix because it wasn't the right thing to do. Right, right. I'm not going to allow that to happen because for me, I might get one opportunity and that opportunity I need to take here and now. Yeah. And if it doesn't work, at least I'm not going to say I should have, could have, would have I can say I did it didn't happen and let's move on right right and are there times because I also I also think there are times when we have to be strategic about when we address some of those things that come up are there times when you've walked away when you've assessed it you've done the thinking and you thought not worth it not worth it yeah not today right not yeah you always have to you know you have to choose your and I don't see this, I don't, I'm not saying it in a, in a kind of battling way. You have to choose your battles and you mm-hmm. have to choose what is worth challenging and what is worth noting for p- potentially next time. It's not everything that we have to look at in a negative or a positive way. Sometimes it just is what it is right. and you just move on from it. Right. Because you're not going to change that mindset. You're not going to be able to, to do anything about it. So why let it kind of bring you down and take you to a place where you don't need to be? Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so that's where the thinking, assess it, and then make a choice about whether to respond to it or whether to walk away from it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Because yeah. sometimes you never want to get a resolution. And um, it's better to, to, to know that. As long as you feel satisfied that you've looked at the situation and you've done as much as you possibly can, then that's okay. And sometimes our work is when we realize that we can't do the quote unquote finish finishing with the person because of whatever, whatever we've weighed up against, you know, that, that we have to do our inner work to say, when, how can I just like, let this go? How can I be, how can I move on? Um, from this because that would otherwise it gets in our way of our performance and moving forward and 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 doing the things that we want to do absolutely yeah, yeah. so because i'm a the 
the pre- one of the premise for this for she's got drive is the understanding that the environment is not shifting at the pace that we want it to the environment's mm-hmm. not changing you know 20 some years ago when i started working mm. it could be more than that i'm just okay 20 some years ago when i started working more like nearly 30 um I thought it would be different. I thought in 30 years we'd be in a different place and we're not. So this is about how do you succeed in, succeed in spite of the environment that you're working in sometimes? How do, you, how do you create your own success, as you said? You know, how do you direct your own life? And how do you yeah. develop the tools to, do, to know? So if I see somebody with something, I'm actually thankful that they're, and pleased for them, because I don't know how they've worked to get that. I don't know what they've been through to be there. Right. And I hope that people see that in me, but I know that society isn't like that, <laughs> you know? But I hold on to that. Yeah. Because if I became an embittered and jealous or whatever woman, I will never be able to achieve anything. So I praise other women. I praise black women. I love my black sisters. Yeah, some of them may not always love me, but I love them, yeah? Because we have been, and I say the universe, in terms of moving our people forward. And even though some of us may not recognise it, the special qualities that we have as black women, we should honour that Mm. and we should respect each other as women. You know, if there's a strong woman, then we should have a 100 strong women behind that woman pushing that woman forward because that woman will bring us all up and right. elevate us all. And that's what I believe. Right. I mean, can I get a witness? That was just <laughs> like, no, seriously, like the, the power of the collective energy of women, of black women standing tall together is such a, oh. I feel very, very moved by that. Okay. You know, so thank you for sharing that. I wanted to, um, uh, just to explore the whole conversation around success and how do you define success for you? What does it mm. mean? What does success mean for you? Because people look at you and they'll say, well, you're so, I, I look at you and I think you're successful, of course, because you're holding this national position, which is like not an easy position. You've worked around advocacy and equality. It takes something to work in that environment. I'm going to mm. come back to self-care a bit later um, with that. But, you know, what does success mean for you? My work has taken me across the UK and, you know, influencing and inspiring others. And in lots of ways, even though it's not involving, you know, me living in a five, six bedroom house with a swimming pool and because some people would define it as success. Right. Or my success is how I see people develop. You know, what I see as success is about being able to be a well-balanced human being, um, being able to path the way that makes you content and happy, mm. and that at the end of the day, that happiness gives you all of the success and love and value of life. Because money is nice to have, but it's not the be-all or end-all. And even if you haven't, even if, if even if you've got it, doesn't necessarily mean that you're happy or you're successful. Right. And if you haven't got it, doesn't mean that you're unhappy and not successful. So for me, defining success is about people coming back and saying, Margaret, I did this because I was inspired by you. Mm. That is my success through people. 
I did this because when I heard you speak or when I saw you and you said you can, I went and did it and I explored it. And now I'm coming back to tell you that I've done it. And thank you. So, yeah, my success isn't really about the kind of big business person or getting accolades and getting rewards and whatever. It's nice. Yeah. And trophies and stuff. It's about being a successful human being and being able to influence your circle uh, that becomes bigger and bigger because people will talk about you and people will remember you through what you have done for them. Right. So that's how I kind of like define my success, really. Yeah, nice. I mean, I really feel like that definition for success is 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 personal as well as yeah. um, evolving. You know, so yeah. maybe when I was younger, you know, in my early days of work, what I thought my work trajectory was going to be was to kind of rise up the corporate ladder was my quote-unquote you know the way that I thought that I'd be quote-unquote successful that's what I was pursuing and at one point I think I was 29 Mm. and I just thought I don't want to do that Mm. that isn't Mm. my that's someone else's trajectory I don't Mm. I do not want to do that and it doesn't diminish anyone else who wants to do that but I know that's just not my that's not my path once I discovered what my path was and then and then, that, and then I'm on my own path to the success that I have today. And I'm mm-hmm. feeling very grateful because I honoured the path that arrived. I'd like to come back to your early life, actually, if that's OK. I mean, when I was growing up, I mean, I didn't have a difficult life because my mum was brilliant. You know, I never really knew that we were poor, but we were. Mm-hmm. But you would know that <laughs> just because every day we had food on the table, we had clean clothes, but our socks were donned. And, you know, what I mean, and mm-hmm. it was like, don't you go out with any kind of like um, dirty clothes or underwear because if you get knocked down on, and the ambulance need to take you, you know what I mean? I want to at least make sure that you're decent. So My mum used <laughs> to say that. Yeah, if you ain't got nothing, make sure you're clean and, yeah. and uh, you know, the ambulance people can't say, oh my gosh, you know. Yeah. So that's always been a motivation. But I mean, when I was, I mean, I was bullied very badly when I was at school. Right. And um, I think it made me toughen up very quickly to see that not everybody is as um, as nice as you could be mm. and um, the one person and my and my brother my two brothers that kept me going was my mum because she kept on telling me that I was beautiful she kept on telling me that these young people you know uh, are clearly not you know, good and, and, and we'll deal with it. And and she did. She went up to the school and, you know, the teachers all knew. But it was a time when bullying wasn't really the talked about thing like it is now. Right. People didn't really know how to deal with it. So I had to have coping mechanisms um, around the viciousness. And so I used to block it out and block them out because they weren't important. And my mum always used to say to me, sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will never harm you. Mm. But even though their words were very cruel, I always tried to kind of rise above it. Don't get me wrong, you know, for lots of days I was devastated and didn't want to go into school. Mm. uh, And, you know, even as I got older. But I had music. And that's why I love singing. And um, music would take me out of wherever it was that I was. And for those hours, I was somebody else I was a star I was singing I was entertaining and um and and it just helped me and I loved reading um because I 
you know, I had dyslexia. I've got dyslexia, but it didn't stop me from loving reading books. Mm. So I read inspirational books. I'm, I'm the person that, if you ask anyone about me, you know, what's Margaret's kind of like um, thing? And it will be about quotes and it will be a motto and it will be inspiring others with something that someone has said or I've said. Um, and so that's kind of like what's 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 driven me, really. Um, remembering those young girls, remembering how I felt being so isolated and so alone um, and knowing that I came through it because people loved me. So whatever they did at school, whatever they did when I was at work, because I was also bullied at work, when I came home and I closed the door, I had my mom, I had my partner, I had my brothers, you know, now I've got some lovely nephews and a niece. And they're the important people right. because they're the ones that will sustain me, you know? So, yeah. Thank that, you for sharing that. Thank you for sharing that. Your... Um... There's so much power in that story, you know, that if through that very difficult, difficult circumstances of growing up, that you have come through it, and, and now you're just an advocate and a stand for others who don't, who get bullied at work, who um, are not seen, who yeah. are made small, and then you get to stand for them and changing the environment in which they're working in. I think it's amazing. And that's what drives me. So when I, I mean, when I go into work, when I used to be in, and work, and I see people come in the lift, doesn't matter, black, white, it doesn't matter to me. Good morning. Because I don't know if they're going to get a morning from anyone else. Mm. So I'm going to let you know, I see you. Yeah. And then I go on my way. Right. I, I don't allow that to, you know, I don't think that people should be in a workplace or an environment and you're working there 24, eight hours a day and you're not able to say hello to each other. Right. Exactly. Yeah. What is that about? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So this weekend, with all the gatherings of, you know, members and black members, everybody felt like a family because everybody was saying hello to everybody mm -hmm. because there is no need to be ignoring each other in that environment. And I see that as the same as the workplace. No one is bigger than anyone to be saying that I feel that I'm better than you because no one is better than you. Right. And I say to myself, no one is better than me. You know, I'm just as equal as to the richest man or as to the poorest woman, you know, and we are as equal as we need to be. Right. And so I will stand proud. And that's what I would like to advocate to women. Stand proud. You know, right. be, be who you're supposed to be. Don't let someone come and tell you that you can't do when you haven't even had the opportunity to get the ability to be able to do that. Of course you can. It's so important that we understand that we may not have control of all of our circumstances. I get that. Absolutely. Get that, obviously. We have control Absolutely. about how we choose to respond to all of our circumstances. And but we Absolutely. do have we do get a say in the direction that our life heads in, you know. Yeah, and once we recognise that, mm -hmm. then we become powerful women. Right. We become unstoppable women, right. and that may challenge other people, women and men included. But once you are clear about what you want, mm -hmm. potentially your path, then you become unstoppable and you become powerful.
you talked about during those difficult times and I, and you said you, you talked about during the difficult times your mum's support your brother's support your partner's support you also talked about earlier in like in you said in order to get get be successful you need people you can't do do that alone yeah which is so I cannot un like let's underline neon lights you know when that's one of the the, the pitfalls for black women is yeah. we think we the superwoman arrived with the superwoman shirt and you think you can do everything and it's and it is a pattern that we can many women fall into so how, who who who's your support network now who, who and whether in work or out, out of work and how do you create it are you actively engaged in getting your support network together like or is it just oh, as in, I, uh, yeah i mean i i am um, from a very from a very um kind of like early time in my um, working career I kind of ident not identified. I became friends with a lot of people mm -hmm. uh, and, and and women. I must say that when in my early days I didn't have a lot of trust of women because the majority of people that have bullied me have been women. Okay. But actually, I didn't judge those women or those young girls to the women that I know and develop friendships with. Right. So we would have every every three four months I would gather us sisters together and we will have an evening of either music of just talking of poetry of just being around each other right. with some food with some good wine and we you know we would do that and it was wonderful so they would come to my house or I would you know we would organize it and that's how I kept my um, network of positive women because every single one of them has a role to play in my life. Mm. See, my, my girlfriends, they all think they know everything, mm. but not everybody <laughs> knows everything. Yeah, someone might know something else just because of who they are right. and how they, I know that they will give me a different type of guidance that I need um, from somebody else who might just be the person that I need to take me out of my shell and let me have a bit of relaxation because they know how to do that best for me. Right. And I don't. So I have a lot of, not a lot of, I have dedicated female friends that I call on, um, when times are good, but also the dear friends that I know when times are difficult, who will be coming to my door or will give me a call. Right. And have my family. I have those who give me the qualities and, and the kind of um, reassurance that I need that I'm doing the right thing mm -hmm. and that you know, remember when you said you was a, when you were a kid you wanted to do x y and z you're doing okay and I have my mum and um and I and I it's precious because my mum is 74 now and um you see so many things going on and I hear my girlfriends and you know their parents their mums aren't around mm -hmm. and so I treasure every moment and seconds and time that I have with her because I know what she is so invaluable yeah. um and i won't be able to do that maybe for for um at some point right um and then my partner is just you know my partner's very wonderful he's he's a very understanding man who has taken on my career as his own <laughs> all of the conferences that i go to and um thinks i'm an inspiration to him and you know others and when you've got that kind of positive um relationship mm -hmm. you can do anything 
because mm-hmm. they're not saying you shouldn't be doing they're actually encouraging you to do exactly. it more, and more you know um there's no jealousy there there's no limelight there there's no under man of the relationship there's there's none of that it, it's so it's so fulfilling that actually you don't it's, it's just easy it's not even it's not a chore you know relationships sometimes can be a chore and you're having to do no it's so easy it feels like butter oh listen can i get another amen (laughs) i'm sorry i gotta say there's so many people who hook up with people and it's like over the relationship so hard it's like they're not they're not you're not married you're hooking up with someone you ain't been together for two months and it's so hard it's like then move on it's not supposed to be, to be hard. hard. No, Does not. it take Does effort? It take- yes. Do you have to invest? Yes. You don't have to be um, Miss Perfect. You don't have to be this glamour person that, you know, is kind of like so perfect that nothing is out of place. You just have to be you. Because right. you know what? When they met you, they fell in love with you or they found you attractive. And when you open yourself up to the truth that you are, then they will either love you more or they will walk on. Relationships should not be hard, that you are thinking every day, my God, what am I going to do? Is he going to be happy? Or even she, whichever right. um, you're inclined. You, it, 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 needs, it should be smooth. It shouldn't be one where you're feeling traumatised and you're feeling anxious. It's not a relationship. Right. Yeah. Right. And the quicker you realise that, that you cannot love somebody more than you love yourself, then the better you will be right. and you will move on. And even when you say, oh, I miss her, I miss him, do you? Did they bring something to your life? Right. You know, did they really fulfil you? No, they didn't. Right. Forget Yeah. Well, I'm also, you know, there are times when, and um, one of the times for me historically in my past, because I've been married now for, um, we're in 2018, so it'll be 17 years this year and um, been together for 18 years. And oh, wow. it's a wonderful relationship. Shout, big shout out to Dan, big shout out to Dan. <laughs> um, and, but in, in a previous, prior to him, you know, I was seeing this guy who was actually a wonderful guy. Yeah. He was a wonderful guy. And yeah. in some respects, it was kind of, it wasn't like it was hard, but I just knew that it wasn't mine. You know, it's yes. just like, you know, and I just said to him, you know what? You're great, but you're someone else's great. You need Absolutely. to find a someone else. So whilst someone, Absolutely. whilst you stick with someone when it's hard and it's this and it's that and, and it's too much, or I've, had, I've known, heard of someone, they've been together for too much and they were going to couples therapy. I'm like, you've been together for two months, you're going to couples therapy? No, move on. You don't need to invest that amount of time. His, your partner, he, she, they are out there right yeah. they are I, out I there so trust that th- trust that it will come your way so um and i know people and like it's all right for you to say married for 18 17 years but i kissed a lot of frogs my friend before <laughs> <laughs> but also as well shirley i always say that even if he or she is not out there you have to know that life has been good to you. Right. Because you're not defined by, by another person exactly. in your life. You know? Exactly. It's about, if you feel content with you, that man or that woman will find you or you will right. find them when you least expect it. Right. But if you're always down on you, 
no one's going to see you because you don't see yourself. Yes. You know? Yes. And absolutely. when you do find that person and life is so smooth that you don't even know that they're there, you know, that there's no issue. Mm-hmm. That's when you need to say that person is mine. Yes. You know? Yeah. So it really is about, I mean, I, I was, I was, you know, on my own for a number of years and people say, weren't you lonely? I was finding me. Hmm. I was looking out for me and I wasn't lonely because that's the time of the space that I needed for me. Yes. I wasn't ready for anyone. Nobody was ready for me, you know? And now that I have found a place that I feel content and a partner who is, you know, a gift, he's ready for me. I'm ready for him. We're ready to fly. Mm. So, and no one can break that. Yes. Once you that, no one can break that. Love that. Love that. I'm probably going to get messages about this one. I, it's a, it's another, I think, I'm, do you know what? I keep, what I love about when I do different interviews, I have an another idea about um, having a, what other conversations can we put in, put in the um, program? Because this is an area where I, where I do see lots of women, lots of black women struggle in the whole space around intimate relationships and what they, what they, the, you know, what they put up with. And, yeah. you know, the kind of this kind of wheel of thinking that you, the person in their life isn't out there. But then you said, I have to find you. You have to love and know yourself. And then you can know what you want in a relationship versus what you don't want. Lots of people know what they don't want versus what they want in a relationship. And then you can create from that place. But I also think as women... You know, we need to think about when we're talking about a kind of, oh, I want a, a man or a woman who will do X, Y and Z. You need to think about, well, what are you going to bring to the table? Exactly. Because it's not all about what they're going to bring to the table. It's also about what you're going to bring to the table. Right. Don't have too much of a criteria because that criteria will mean that you're blocking from seeing the perfect person in front of you that could give you everything you want if you just give them the opportunity to get to know you. Right. Right. You know, because that's one somebody said to me once, you know, this guy, can I get to know you? And I said, not before you know yourself, <laughs> because if you don't know yourself, then you can't really get to know me. Right. Because you have to be ready for what is coming when it comes to not just to me, but, you know, and that's yeah. what I mean. People. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, we go into things and we think it's the right thing. But when you know there's a niggling doubt, you know, it's not for you. And in time, you've got to just say to that individual because you're wasting each other's time. Right. Time is so precious. Um, and that, you know, at the end of the day, there is someone out there. And even if there isn't, you're living your life and that's what you need to be thankful for. Great. And the, the thing that, one of the things that you, which kind of started this was that you, was, was, was you shared about your partner being very supportive of, of you. And yeah. um, I think that, you know, that question's come up for me before around how do I get to do what I do? And one of the things is because I have a very supportive partner, I have a very supportive network and you have your sister friends. I love that. And yeah. I understand that not, you go to your friends for different things to actually expect one person to be support you in the multiple ways in which you need support. I think it's just, 
it's un it's unfair to put that burden on on someone who you know you need to find your the person who's gonna tell it like it is you think oh I need, yeah. I need to be told like you need to someone like I just want someone who's just gonna listen and just yeah. like give me a couple of strokes or I yeah. just want someone who's gonna like we're heading to the, it's a spa day today people or whatever it is or yeah. it's a music yeah I mean one I remember one time I was really devastated about a breakup and um I called a friend of mine and she said I'm coming and she came to my house and she maybe some tea and stuff and I got into bed and she just laid on the top of bed and just let me cry in her shoulders mm. and let me fall asleep and once she knew that I was content and, and sleeping then she left and then rang me in the morning to just make sure I was okay no words needed right nothing needed to be done but she just knew what to do yeah and it's one of the most special things that helped me kind of say, you know what, I've got some great girlfriends, man. <laughs> you know, and uh, I'm blessed. Yes. And I got to get up and shake myself off. This man is not worth my tears. And yeah. And you're moving and, on. Absolutely. And you're moving on. Yeah, that's right. So find yourself some sister friends. Find yourself some sister friends. Yes. Who, who support you and can be there and then there's the other ones who as i said it might be like i've i've got phone that friend if you're like i just just tell me i'm gonna tell you the situation what do you think you yeah over, i think you're overreacting really why you know and then they'll say you're over i want that friend who's gonna tell me i'm overreacting as well and that's why and that's why i love the girls my girlfriends that i have because it's been years of of building up that friendship and right. that kind of like loyalty and so, of course, I know a lot of people and a lot of acquaintances, but when you've got that core group of sisters that you know you can call on, I don't need anything else right. because I know they'll tell me as I need to hear it. And, and they'll be honest enough with me because if they can't be honest with me, then there's no point in being around me. I wanted to ask you about learning. And, and um, I always ask my, my auntie Oprah question, which is... Um, <laughs> If you look back over the years that you've been working and you reflect and you had the opportunity to speak to the younger Margaret, <laughs> you know, what would you tell the younger Margaret that she, what would you like to share with her? That not everyone is going to be trustworthy. Um, your trust in people sometimes made you blind to what they were really about. Mm. Um, and that seeing good in people is great, but sometimes you've also got to recognize that not everybody is coming to the table with the same kind of philosophy as you think they are. Right. Um, and that people will use you, um, even though you might see them as a, as a colleague and as a friend, but people will use to get where they need to. But recognize that mm. um, and don't, don't don't wallow in that and don't be embittered in that um, and find a place to put it um, and don't don't wish any harm on others just let them find their place because they will remember the goodness in you and they will you know cringe 
to know that they might have done you wrong. Mm. So that's what I would tell the, the younger Margaret. Don't don't be naive, you know, think and know that we're all different and there are some cool people out there. But also don't don't not do what you do. Otherwise you wouldn't be where you are now. Right. So oh. Margaret, what's the future? Where, where's next? I know you've only just like arrived in your current role, but what's, yeah. where would you like to be? You know, where are you heading in your, oh, in your yeah. world? Now, if I let out my secrets, everybody's <laughs> going to hear <laughs> Have you heard? <laughs> you can't be telling everybody everything. Yeah, you gotta... true enough, no, true enough. Yeah. No, I mean, my motto is that opportunities come few and far between. Mm-hmm. You've got to seize the moment. I love the job that I'm doing. I mean, it's only been a year, and I wouldn't want anyone who might be listening um, to think, oh, she's not with us for long. But there are other opportunities that may come along. And if you don't take that chance and that mm-hmm. opportunity, then uh, it may not come along again. So I would say, Shirley, yeah, people need to watch this space. Because um, <laughs> Margaret Greer is, 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 uh, is in the house and she's looking to make sure that um, whatever comes her way, she'll do it to the best of her ability. Right. And that people will see that and hear that and, and hopefully be proud of it and feel that they can also achieve as well. So, yeah. Thank you. Well, I um, I'm going to watch the space, Margaret, without a doubt, because you are you are such an inspiration. You really are. You've got drive, your commitment, and I'm really here. One of the things that I've heard this in the background that you haven't actually named, but I've really got is your courage. It's Thank your you. Courage to like keep taking yourself on and and like when it, as from the early days. Um, from the days when you were being bullied so I really just appreciate you sharing everything that you have today thank you so much for sitting in the guest chair for sharing your story sharing your wisdom and uh, you know I just look forward to tracking you man Deep thank you Shirley I hope that you've been inspired to shift gears in your own life one of the things that I loved about this interview with Margaret is the way that she shares so powerfully how you can turn some experience from when you're a child into something very positive. You know, that experience of being bullied. And now she's an advocate for others to um, be free from harassment, bullying, discrimination. It's inspiring and it's moving. Um, So I'm wondering, you know, how much of us are held back by things that happened in our past and how we can turn that around to something more positive in our adulthood and what can we do about that food for thought food for thought you know i love to hear from you so if you head over to uh, my instagram account shirley mccalpine or the she's got drive facebook page you can share there you can always send me a message via my website shirleymccalpine.com and let me know what you're getting from the show what struck you about this interview with margaret you know anything you want to share about being a woman with drive she's got drive is produced by cassandra voltolina the music is by the awesome female band blonde i look forward to hearing from you until next time thank you for listening go well and stay well